hey, hey, you, stop what you're doing, especially if you're sabotaging yourself. One of the most important projects you'll ever work on is getting out of your own freaking way. And guess what? I've got someone to help you with that. Rachel Wilson Thibodeau, my little big sister, award-winning speaker, digital marketing consultant, author, brand strategist, and not to mention she's an expert at wearing high heels because she's kind of height-challenged, if you know what I mean. But on the flip side, she sounds taller than she really is. Okay, I digress. Welcome to the project. Get out of your own way podcast with Rachel Wilson Tipido. Hey, brilliant people. This is Rachel Wilson Thibodeau. Welcome back to Project Get Out Your Own Way podcast. So before jumping into this episode, this amazing interview, and we are still in the Houston Swag-tastic women series, I do want to send my thoughts and prayers, and, and I hope you guys will join me in sending your thoughts and prayers to the people of the Bahamas. If you have been watching the news, I mean, unless you've been under a rock, you know that Hurricane Dorian has has demolished um, a pretty good portion of the Bahamas. There, there are parts, as I understand, that that's okay, but there are other parts uh, like Grand Bahama. Grand Bahama Island, which is is where my husband and I spent part of our our honeymoon and have some great memories of, those parts have really been impacted, majorly impacted. And so, you know, please pray and and be thinking of those people and do more than that. <laughs> Certainly, if you can, if you can do more than pray and think about them, if you can donate if if you can send um materials or send things their way but by all by all means do that if you are near there and you can participate in in the cleanup um by all means do what you can for that area so gosh it is September. I think I, I I may have said that before, or I may have been saying September is upon us. It is September now. It, I, I'm still amazed at how quickly this year has passed by, but hey, it is what it is. So we are in the ninth month of the year, but I, I don't want you guys to like give up. I don't want you to write off 2019. There's still plenty of time to get some things done, to make some changes, needed changes that, that you know you need to make, whether it's in your business, your your job, whatever it is uh, where you know you need to go in a different direction. There, there is still plenty of time to do that. So don't think, well, the year is, the year is practically over. And yeah, don't, don't be guilty of doing that. So just a few things you are going to learn in this episode about Crystal Washington. What motivates her? Now, just hearing that, you know, you may 
think certain things, you know, because different things motivate different people. But usually, you know, it may be a book or something they they hear or maybe their kids. It, it's not it's not quite what you may think when it comes to Crystal. <laughs> and I, I'm not I'm not surprised because Crystal is someone who marches to the beat of her own drum and and I'm all here for it. I have known Crystal, oh boy, since 2008. I'm thinking it was 2008 that I met her because this is when I moved back to Houston. Uh, some of you know I'm originally from North Texas, from DFW area, Fort Worth specifically. And so I moved back to Houston in March of 2008 and met Crystal um, a bit later that year. And at the time she had a meetup from what I recall, and it was a group of just really cool individuals, professionals. Some worked in the corporate arena. Some ran their own businesses. There were authors. I mean, just really cool people, mostly people of color. And it it was just, we, it, it was just great. I mean, we would have conversations. We would meet at cool places and talk and talk about different things. We talk about politics. We talk about relationships, business. I mean, it was just really dope. And she's, I mean, she's still that dope person and also very business savvy, very forward thinking, but I, I guess you would expect that from a futurist and a certified <laughs> futurist. See, that's something you don't hear every day and you may not meet a futurist every day. Um, but yeah, I I learned things just from kind of watching Crystal and, and how she moved and, and how she how she moved in business. And so you're going to learn how she transitioned from working in corporate to running her own business and then becoming an international speaker. And she really is an international speaker because some of you know, know some people use that title and they haven't actually spoken outside of the U.S. Maybe it's something they're thinking about, that they plan to do, that that they are manifesting. She has has actually spoken internationally. I'm I'm just I'm just saying, okay. So you'll you'll find out about that. You'll also find out what she has to say about getting up really early, about that whole 5 a.m. club. Yeah, some of you, some of you are proudly in the 5 a.m. club. You, you'll find out what she what she has to say about that and much, much more. So let's jump in, guys. And before before I, I almost forgot, also want to invite those of you who are authors, those of you who are aspiring authors to join me this coming Sunday, September 7th, 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Join me for my live training, Seven Ways Authors Get in the Way of Producing Successful Books. Seven Ways Authors, and that includes aspiring authors, get in the way of producing successful books books. Again, that will be this Sunday. You can get access to that live training. It will be online by texting swag-mybook1. Text 
the words swag, S-W-A-G, dash, my book, the number one. Text that to 77948. Text my swag. That's not right. (laughs) Text swag dash my book one two seven seven nine four eight. And even if you hear this after September 7th, still text that and you can get the recording. Now, if you are outside of the U.S., then I encourage you to shoot an email to info at swagstrategy.com. Shoot an email requesting access to this live training to Info at swag strategy, S W A G S T R A T E G Y dot com. All right. Okay. Cool. So let's jump into episode six. All right. So welcome back to the Houston series of Swag Tastic Women, Swag Tastic Women in Houston. And We have a special treat today in the guest chair. We have none other than Crystal Washington. And I'm going to share just a little about Crystal. Her bio probably doesn't do her justice, uh, but we'll hear more, of course, from her. But before I do that, I have to get the most important thing out of the way. You you guys know I, I always like to start out with the most important question. So, Crystal, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. So I happen to know, at least I I think I do, that you are vegan? Vegetarian. You're vegetarian. Okay. So I'm always curious about this. If, let's just say if, this may never happen, but just in case you had a real moment of weakness what would it take? Would, Would it be red meat or white meat that would do that for you? Probably neither. Um, Because I (laughs) I didn't do this for health reasons. So it's almost like saying, if you were to become a cannibal, what kind of person would you want to eat? A man or a woman? So it just kind of grosses me out. Mm. It it just, it it honestly just looks like a dead body to me. I have no judgment on what other people eat. So it's all carcass. I don't know. (laughs) It's all... Again, if I gave it for health reasons, it would be different because I'd still be craving it, but it actually grosses me out. So um, Uh I have to have a complete change of of mind. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. All right. So I told y'all it was was really... (laughs) Some of you cannot cannot see her face. She's just like, "Mm, not, not happening. No no answer for you. <laughs> no, no, but, uh, but everyone else is welcome to eat what they want. My husband eats. So I have no opinion on what other people eat. I just, I just right. don't want it. it. grosses me out. I got you. I got you. So guys, let me, let me share a bit about Crystal with you. Now word has it. Everyone wants a piece of her. <laughs> in fact, she was once attacked while riding in a convertible by bird wanting a piece of her afro for its nest. I love it. Technology strategist and futurist Crystal Washington works with organizations that want to leverage technology to increase profits and productivity. 
Crystal has educated and entertained audiences across the globe. She regularly appears on major television networks and in business publications for her expertise. And I happen to know some of those organizations she works with are Fortune 500 organizations such as Google and Microsoft. She is the author of the books One Tech Action and The Social Media Why. Outside of technology, Crystal considers herself to be an adventurous travel fanatic. She once followed a random, I think I've heard this before, a random barefooted mountain man with a machete. Y'all don't miss that. The, the man had a machete up an active volcano, an active, not just any volcano, an active volcano. Luckily, she lived and she's here with us right now. Welcome, Crystal Washington. Thank you for having me, Rachel. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's jump right in. I don't know if this is still an issue for you. Maybe it's something that you have overcome. Uh, if so, how did you handle this in, in the past? And what I'm, I'm talking about is getting in your own way. How, how did that look for you? I don't know if I've, if I can just rearrange that a little bit. I think for me, what, what one of my challenges was is a challenge that anyone has that owns a business or really that has a career period. And that's that whatever issues you have in your personal life, they will bleed over into your professional life. Mm -hmm. And when I say issues, for instance, if you have a hard time setting boundaries with family, you're going to have a hard time setting boundaries with clients. If you allow friends to undervalue you, you will undervalue yourself in terms of pricing. Ooh. So those types of things, it wasn't so much me um, self-sabotaging. So I know some people have those types of issues. It wasn't that. It was just the fact that I realized the more I went to therapy for my personal issues, the more successful I became as a business person. Because, hmm. you know, when you have your own business, it all flows. Very interesting. Okay. All right. Now, in working with, and you obviously work with a number of people, <sighs> Just when you interact with women and your experience with women in particular, because, I mean, we're, we're highlighting women here. How have you seen other women kind of self-sabotage and get in their own way? Um, I would say the number one way, because, I mean, here's the thing. Everyone can get in their own way, right? I mean, it's, it's possible for us all to have issues. Mm -hmm. No one's perfect. I don't normally go into gender dynamics on that, except that the one thing I do see is that with women, because we're socialized differently, oftentimes we have a hard time negotiating and asking for precisely what we want with confidence. I can't tell you how many of my amazingly beautiful and brilliant, brilliant friends, and I mean people that are highly successful, mm -hmm. We still have powwows where I'm like, you need, you know, go ahead and charge blah, blah, blah. You're worth this. Tell the client no. And when they come back next year after they try to take advantage of you, up your fees by 5%. Mm -hmm. Ask for this additional thing. Ask for these concessions. And so oftentimes, I think as women, we're socialized to be nice. And if you're socialized mm -hmm. to be nice versus kind or fair, you're always going to give yourself the short end of the stick. Hmm. 
Hmm. That that kind of reminds me of something I was talking about with a friend um, a couple of weeks ago. The whole thing with the kind of this dynamic between how men and women are raised. I mean, you you said socialize, and we were talking about it going back even to childhood because both of us have brothers, and we were talking about the differences in how we were raised, frankly. Um, and this, you know, it doesn't apply to everyone, but I certainly have seen it. I, I know a ton of other people, ton of other women uh, who have seen it as well, where you're raising, and mothers in particular tend to kind of get into this a bit more, where they're raising their daughters differently. They have higher expectations even for their daughters than their sons. And that kind of spills over in, in this there's also this whole thing with you have to be perfect, you have to do this, you have to, and it really can impact our mindsets. Would you agree with that or have you seen that at all? I mean, I, I think there's truth to it. Um, I do think that there are some mothers that, or parents really, that treat their children differently. I mean, that's that's why we have the concept of gender, which is different than sex. Um, so obviously that exists. I think at the end of the day, though, as women, we have to step back and decide what it is that we want. And I'll tell you that I was very blessed in that I grew up in a family of assertive women and men. Like everybody was just assertive. That's just what it was. And kind, genuinely kind people. But I had prototypes, especially with my aunts and uncles. I mean, they were all just astute business people or just the positions they had in, in different organizations. And so I, I soaked that in. And so the end result is, is that just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you have to tiptoe, doesn't mean you can't go toe to toe with anyone else. I am a very miniature woman. I'm five foot one. Um, I weigh less than 120 pounds. I'm a very small human. Mm. And it's such an advantage because people assume that I'm not capable of what I'm, I'm oh. capable of. So when I show up to negotiate, and I'm a little brown woman too, they, they don't see it coming. Um, so there have been times where I have gotten paid much more than my counterparts who are Caucasian men because I know how to negotiate. And my mm -hmm. value isn't tied to anyone else's. And so I think as women um, and, and humans really, just know your value, know what you bring to the table. And this isn't about self-esteem, it's actually knowing your skill set knowing what other people have to gain by interacting with you. Hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely. So that kind of is a segue to my next question. You kind of touched on this. You, you pointed out that you're in, and again, some of you cannot see this. Crystal says she's, she's a little brown woman. And I, I suppose I am too. <laughs> we, we are both petite. Do you think that has an impact or an added impact being someone of color when we do make those mistakes in particular not knowing our worth second guessing ourselves um not being confident does that hurt us more than others well i won't say that it hurts us more i mean the truth of the matter is that african-american women are not socialized the same way that uh, say your average caucasian woman is socialized and so it's, we're dealing with different issues. What I mean by that is that my friends that are Caucasian women, the whole nice thing with them is on a whole nother level. We're mm -hmm. allowed to get angry now and people expect it. Now we might be labeled the angry black woman, you know, but 
we're still allowed to be strong. Sometimes the point of it's, it's actually offensive where you're the strong black right. woman, which basically means people see you as a pack mule. They can put their stuff on you, right? And so wow. I'm, I'm not quite sure we're dealing with the same issues as some of our white female counterparts, um, which is hence the reason why there's a split between feminism and womanism. But that's a whole nother uh, conversation. And yeah. so I just think as black women, we have to be confident. And I, I think oftentimes we tend to possess a little bit of, conf, you know, a little bit more confidence than some of our counterparts anyways. I do think where I see some of us, where I see an opportunity for some of us African-American women mm-hmm. is that sometimes we impose our own limitations on ourselves. We assume that they won't let us into certain spaces or we don't belong somewhere. Whereas my feet, and it's, don't get me wrong, I didn't start off this way. This is something that's developed over time, but the lesson I've mm-hmm. learned, I belong wherever my feet tread. Um, so it doesn't matter if that's a third world country, it doesn't matter if that's a store where the cheapest thing in there is $100,000. And so I think we have to be very careful not to self-segregate because we are uncomfortable. And so oftentimes mm-hmm. as black women, when we start businesses, we only target other black women. Or we keep our circles very small with black women because that's where we feel safe. And for good reason, I get it. I totally get Mm -hmm. it. But please understand there are many opportunities far beyond that range. Um, There's oftentimes where in my own business and speaking, there have been times where I've been at conferences where I am the only millennial, the only woman, the only person of color out of a thousand plus people. It's Mm -hmm. just me. I belong there. And so I, my hope is that anyone that's listening, um, that's brown, black, yellow, red, or whatever, that you will feel confident wherever you step into. And the same with our Caucasian sisters too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. I, and what I really, I mean, there are a few things there, um, that are powerful. What I really take away and I don't want anyone to miss is this whole thing with our comfort us being comfort, us making decisions, us kind of moving and navigating based on our comfort. And that is absolutely true. I I think whether it's women, whether it's women of color, people of color, minorities, if you you will, uh, sometimes we can get into this thing where, well, our community feels comfortable. And so let me just target them. Let, let me just focus on them. And that's, that's fine if that is really something you feel strongly about. I, I don't know about you, Crystal. I know a few people who feel strongly about just catering to, you know, that community or a specific community. But if that's not really the case, just make sure that you're not allowing that to hold you back because that, that is a real thing. <laughs> I think if it's a part of your business model to serve a specific community, whether it be your own or someone else's, then stay there and rock it and be of the best service ever. But if your business model does not call for that, but that's just where you're comfortable, so that's where you're hanging out. It's been my experience with myself, some of my mentors, some of my friends as well that have been really successful in business, is that breakthroughs lie on the other side of that comfort barrier. You know, I tell folks all the time, something I've said since I first started my business, and it is so true, I eat fear for breakfast every single day. Oh, okay. Say that again. Say that again. I eat fear for breakfast every single day. Okay. 
there's always something that happens that makes me uncomfortable. You know, Rachel, I said to you, I just finished a promo. I'm speaking in Portugal later this year. And I do promo videos for a lot of my clients as a professional speaker to help them promote the conference. Mm -hmm. And I needed to say a few words in Portuguese. And so I had them send the audio pronunciation so I could make sure I was doing it. Let me tell you how uncomfortable that was. I don't speak Portuguese. I speak struggle Spanish at best. Portuguese is not Spanish. I couldn't even, trying to form my lips to make some of these sounds was hilarious because it came out sounding German. But I kept doing it run by run until I got a couple cuts that I thought were pretty good and sounded close. And right. I sent it over to the client, fingers crossed, and they were already excited. They already replied back. And so, you know, you have to be uncomfortable. If you're not uncomfortable, then you're not growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. That's it. Mm. Okay. All right. So kind of walk us through Crystal Washington's path. I mean, you, you have done some amazing things and you've done a lot. Um, and, and at a young age, I mean, you, you are a millennial. Mm-hmm. Kind of show us how you dealt with challenges that you've encountered along the way, because obviously, I mean, I'm sure there were challenges. I, I don't even know where to begin when you said the path and challenges. I don't even know. Um, well, for example, you even going from uh, working for someone else, working within an organization mm-hmm. and transitioning to, you know, entrepreneurship and being this international speaker, how did that look like? Or what did yeah, that look like? I'm going to try to make this really quick. So I started off in hotels, uh, hotel sales as well as revenue management, both types of positions, rocked both of them, killed them. Um, I'm kind of right and left brained. So I'm really good with people, hmm. but I get bored if I don't have numbers or something to analyze. And so that's how I went from sales, even though I was blowing my numbers out, told my boss I'm bored. The revenue manager just left. I want that position. It's kind of like a cross between forecasting mm-hmm. and marketing. And he looked at me, I'm in my early 20s, and he said, you've got to be kidding me. No one does that. He said, I want you to stay where you're at. You're making us all this money. I said, I'll make you money over here too. And here's the deal. You can either give me that position or I can just quit and go work someplace else. Because remember, millennial, that's the kind of stuff we do. Um, so he gave me the job. And, and I, I killed it at that one too. But there was this little thing called social media that was just starting. And I remember going to my boss and saying, hey, I, this is going to sound crazy. But I have a feeling one day companies are going to start creating profiles on these things. Mind you, this is Facebook was still open only to college students. My space existed. So this is back in the day. So, you know, now everyone's like, duh. But at the time, it was not happening yet. And I Mm -hmm. said, you know, for the first time in history, companies, corporations, organizations will be able to have conversations with their consumers. They can create um, relationships Mm -hmm. unlike anything ever seen before. And my boss looked at me. And again, I'm at the time, I'm in my early 20s. I'm overseeing a department of people that were the age of my parents and grandparents. I wouldn't even tell them my real age because I knew <laughs> they'd eat for dinner. And my boss looked at me and he said, look, kid, he said, you're cute and you make us a shitload of money. Stick to what you know. Oh, said, okay. okay. Cool. Six months later, I quit my job to start a digital marketing firm. Woohoo! Um, and it, and it wasn't hard to leave because I mean, I was in a situation, it was a very toxic place. I love my employees. They were amazing. I loved what I actually did in my job. Both job functions were amazing, but I was dealing with sexism. I mean, I, I had one gentleman that on sales meetings, it was high up in the company that would call me at midnight to my, can I dance on his table? 
Um, I was dealing with racism. I mean, it was just, I was dealing with a company trying to get me to commit fraud against the U.S. government. It was a whole, so it wasn't hard to leave. For me, it was a matter of making a decision. And I'll share this because I do think this is probably pivotal to anyone who's thinking. I remember getting ready to go to work one day and being depressed. And, and I just thought, I don't want to go in there again. Like, again, I love my employees, love what I did, but it was just so toxic and ridiculous. And I looked in the mirror as I was putting on my makeup and it hit me. I was doing this to myself. Mm. It never occurred to me that I had a choice. I was brought up to believe you go to work every day, you'd be responsible, blah, blah, blah. But it hit me. It's almost like if you had someone on the corner that was a batterer, you wouldn't put on makeup and go visit the batterer every day. These people weren't showing up in my oh, living room. Wow. Getting in my car every day to expose mm-hmm. myself to that. Not just getting in the car, I put on makeup to do it. I was going to be cute while I was getting abused. Well, yeah, you have to be cute. So once I realized that, um, once I realized that I was doing this to myself and I actually had options, it was time for me to make some changes. And so that was when I actually quit my job there. And then from then, it actually came to me doing um, doing the um, digital marketing firm. And from there, it came into me speaking more because my clients were members of organizations and they would ask me if I'd be willing to speak for their organizations. And I would do it for free as a favor to my clients, except at one point I was getting so many requests that um, – I couldn't actually keep up with it. So yeah, from there, I, you know, there's an organization. I was finally like, I can't keep doing all these for free. It's not billable hours. And so the first organization where I just decided I can't keep doing this, I said, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm just too busy. And I said, but we'll pay you. And I said, oh. And that was the beginning of my speaking career. Now speaking makes up about 92% of my business revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the rest of it is made up actually in product sales, maybe 2% total isn't consulting anymore. So that's been kind of the, the pathway, but it's required me to have some revelations in corporate America that I was in control, giving mm-hmm. up my digital marketing firm, realizing that I can't have two masters. And if I wanted to be a keynote speaker, I'd have to give up this wonderful source of income I had created for myself to get into the next level of what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there are definitely some points where I had to have some mental shifts and, and some faith along the way. Right, right. It, it sounds like you are really pretty good and maybe great at listening to what's happening around you as well as within you. And it, it just seems that a number of people struggle with that. I mean, when people are unhappy, for example, at their jobs, how many people just kind of keep doing it? They keep going to the job because they're thinking it pays the bills. I'm comfortable. I mean, it never, I I think it's so interesting. You said it occurred to me. I have a choice. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it, and it wasn't, here's the thing. People don't realize everything is a choice. I have a Mm -hmm. nephew that I keep very regularly. Anyone who's connected to me on social media sees I post Mm -hmm. about him all the time. His little cute self, he's seven years old. He spends an average of one night a week overnight with me since he was two weeks old. So this is my buddy. One seventh of his life, he's with TT. We even fly places together. Not for business, but trips. But one of the things I try to always instill in him is he always has a choice. And what I mean is, is that if, if mommy tells him he has to do something, I'm like, do you have to do it? He's like, yes. I'm like, no, no. 
You don't have to do it. You have choices. Now, every choice has a consequence. So there's going to be something that happens as a result of that. But I want him to understand that every move that he makes is a choice, hopefully a good one, but still a choice. And so I think sometimes even some of the people that are listening to us right now, they probably heard us talking about choices and think, well, I don't have a choice. I have kids or I have to go do this or I have to do that. I don't, and I'm not telling anybody they need to do what I did whatsoever. I'm not telling them to quit their jobs and that's not it. But keep in mind, everyone listening does have the choice of quitting their job. Everyone listening does have the choice to do whatever they, they have the choice to run outside naked. You know, it may not be the choice you choose and it may not always be easy. And so a lot of choices I've made over time haven't been easy and they made me look crazy as all get out to other people Mm -hmm. at the time. Now, looking back, everyone's like, that was brilliant. Yeah, of course. Of course. ideas don't look brilliant when they first come out. You look nutty. So you have to be real comfortable (laughs) with people thinking you're crazy. Right, right. (laughs) That's that's funny. So let's shift gears just just a bit. Because something else I see a lot of, I, I don't know about you, is this whole thing with chasing perfection. And being, I mean, almost at, at times it seems almost obsessed with <laughs> perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I know you're, you know, you said you're not big on, on necessarily assigning the whole gen- getting to the gender dynamics. But I just happen to see this kind of more among women. All the T's have to be crossed. All the, dot, the, the you know, the I's have to be dotted. Let me ask you, Crystal Washington, are you comfortable with imperfection? Oh, yeah, because if not, I hate myself. <laughs> you can't go through life. I'm seriously. I, I mean, because everybody is not. I'd be a nutcase. Um, mm-hmm. No, no. So it's so funny. My, my husband and I, we joke about differences in our personalities. My husband is the type of person, when he was purchasing his last car, it took him three years to choose the car that he wanted. How long? Did you say three years? Three years. The reason it took that long is because he studies specs like nobody's business. Same thing with electronics, Mm. anything we purchase. He is going to do all the research. He Mm. wants 100% grade. He's not going to get the most expensive. He will get the Mm. best value, if that makes sense. So he's never going to walk out with the cheapest thing, but he's always going to get the item that is the best value for what Mm. it offers. Mm-hmm. Me, on the other hand, to tell you what it was like when I got my my last car, on a Sunday, I decided I needed to give my current car to a family member that was having some issues. I called up my friend who was a car broker uh, that Sunday. By Tuesday, we placed an order for a car. That's it. Like, literally, I called him. I said, I think I want this car. He said, I want you to check out these other couple options. I think this might be better. I test drove on Monday. I gave him the order on Tuesday. Boom. I didn't plan on even buying a car then. So I make decisions very quickly. I don't look for 100%. So my joke with my husband is, I know that 92% is still an A. So I go for an A. I need an A. I need an A. But I, 92% works for me. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm mm-hmm. not, there's no problems with 100% people because there's times where my husband's mode of thinking has been such a blessing to us as a couple. But I think oftentimes in business, it's better for you. You want an A. But it doesn't have to be 100% because you're almost never going to feel that you're at 100%. So there's, there's no way to quantify that. 
Right, right. Huh. Yeah, that, that just seems to continue to, to plague uh, a number of, of people. And I think it is wonderful when you can make decisions quickly and take fast action. Um, and it sounds like aligned action, that you take a lot of aligned action that's aligned with your vision, what you see for your life, what the, the things that you want as opposed to the things that you don't want. Would you say that came naturally, the, the ability to kind of think quickly, make fast decisions, take that at the action that's needed, the action that's important, or have you kind of grown into that? No, I mean, that's kind of my character. I mean, if someone, I don't know who's familiar with like disc assessments where they try to look at your personality mm -hmm. traits and help you mm -hmm. figure out, they do this a lot in corporate America. I'm high DI, almost equal on those two. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm dominant. And even as a kid, I mean, it was very interesting. I, I think my parents would probably joke and say I kind of raised myself on some levels <laughs> because when it came to school, I never consulted with them about grades. I never consulted with huh. them about what clubs I would join or whatever. From the moment I can remember in elementary school, I'd come home and say, I'm joining choir. I need this, this, or that. Or I've decided to do this. I need this now. Or I need to get some extra help on this, this, and this. How can you make this happen? Like it was literally me like, from day <laughs> You've one. You've always been independent. I was this self-directed little human. And I think my parents were like, okay. So it was literally me telling them, like the one time I needed my mom to have a parent-teacher conference with a teacher who he was literally failing all the AP students, like all of us. Um, and I wasn't failing. I think I had a C, but that was the first C I had in my life. Yeah. So I, yeah. The first time in my life, I said, mom, so I need you to have a parent-teacher conference with my teacher. Here's the bullet points I need for you to cover. Go. She was so happy to have something to do because for all, for the what, 16 or so other years I've been in school, she oh just my signed goodness. papers where I told her to sign. So this is my personality. And I say that to say this. There are some people listening that this is not their personality. Mm -hmm. And there are so many amazing ways to be and exist. And so if you are not someone who is as dominant as I am, who doesn't make as quick decisions, that's okay because there's different types of business models. There's different types of uh, community resources, nonprofits that need more communal thinking, that need people that work better in teams. I'm better being independent. So I, I think that there's a place for everyone. And the thing is to find what your rhythm is and to exploit your talents and the way that you think per some type of model that works for you. So no mm -hmm. one needs to be me, be you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Crystal, what do you turn to when, whether it's a person, whether it's a thing or resource, what, what do you turn to, to keep you kind of fired up, to keep you on track to, to whether it's, motivation. And, and I, I use the term motivation lightly and loosely <laughs> because motivation can, you know, it's kind of fluffy to some degree um, in terms of really keeping you focused and keeping you on track when maybe you would get off track. What, what do you do? I'm going to give you an answer that no one listening wants to hear. Um, oh, come on. That makes it more exciting. No, no, no. Cause I'm, I'm self-directed. So when people are like, I'm unmotivated, what do you do? I'm like, I wake up. What, what the hell do you mean? You get up and you gotta do what? Um, so, so that's why I said no one wants to hear that. Cause everyone wants for me to give tools and resources and say, I get recharged. No, that's not my truth. So for me, um, it, there are times where I need to reset 
for focus so that my focus is optimal. Right. That there's a few different resources. One, I go to therapy every month religiously. Period. Therapy. Folks hear that. Therapy. Period. Okay. There's no compromise on that. That's going to happen no matter what. As much as I fly around, if I see that a flight's going to, I contact my therapist ahead of time and say, can we move this to this day? Mm. So every month I'm in there at least once a month. Uh, The other thing I like to do is I like to connect with nature. So part of the whole Mm -hmm. travel fanatic thing that I do is the fact that being in other cultures or being in nature really does something to me internally and it gets me quiet and getting away from the technology is a blessing to get you focused. And so for instance, like last year I went into the Amazon rainforest twice um, through two different countries, like two different trips. I just kept going back. I could probably move there at this point. I mean, I was, I was hanging out with folks that lived there. At one point I'm in a community of like 50 people, no running water, no electricity. There's like pythons out back. Seriously, Python bit a little girl. True story. The three-year-old, but they're not poisonous. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm I'm sitting there with the alligators. They call them caimans. They're not quite alligators. They're swimming by me. And I'm like, this is amazing. So. Mm. (laughs) Okay. I'm on some other stuff. And, and I will admit that. So I think people just have to figure out what centers you. There's so many experts that tell you, you have to do A, B, C, D, but guess what? We're all different. So I think, you know, people listening, test out different things and see what speaks to you. What makes you feel recharged? Is it going out in nature? Is it reading? Is it gardening? Is it having a game night with friends and family? Is it church? Is it Buddhist meditation, you know, figure out what works for you and stick with that. Because I promise you, a lot of my work habits are very much contrary to what experts say. Like that whole, you can, you can sleep when you're dead. Forget that. I need a minimum of eight hours of sleep or I'm crazy. Yeah. No one wants to be around me, even at 6.5 hours of sleep. I don't get up early unless I have to speak, at which case I'm running yeah. on adrenaline. So it's fine. Otherwise, I'm not getting up at 4.30 in the morning to go to a gym. I want to throw a dumbbell at someone's head. That's not going to work. I get up later than most people. And check this. I don't work until midnight. I mean, rare occasions. Mm-hmm. But I go to bed early, too. I just like sleep. That's my <laughs> <laughs> And I'm well-rested because of it. How about that? How about that? That, that hey, it works for me. That, that absolutely works for me. So this has been wonderful. I always try to bring you guys amazing, insightful people and people who are going to challenge you to think differently. So I, I think I've done that with Crystal Washington. So Crystal, share with us, how can people stay connected with you? Where can they find you? Is there anything going on you're excited about? I'm excited about life. I'm excited that I can breathe. Um, But if anyone wants to connect with me, I would say the very best way to do that is through my website, which is crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, like the noun, washington.com, crystalwashington.com. Through that, you can connect with me on all the major social networks. You can email me directly. You can get information about my books, whatever it is. you, You can see where I'm speaking. All that information you can find. And through that website itself. Okay. All right. Very good. So before I let you go, all right, let's let's play a little word association. Okay. okay. Let's do it. Because I I have my guests either tell a joke or play word association. Now, if you have a, a good joke, you can share that as well. 
I have tons of great jokes. They're not appropriate, so I'm not telling them. Let's do word association, <laughs> shall we? Oh, man. Okay. All right. So here we go. Say something. You tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Ice cream. Gas. <laughs> I don't have it. I'm not lactose intolerant, but I'm black, so most of my friends are. I'm not giving them ice cream. That's a recipe. Okay. 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 I knew that would get an interesting response from you. That I, I knew it. Um, <laughs> I'm still laughing about that. Nephew. Love. Houston. Hot. Travel. All the time. I know that's more than one word. <laughs> it's just all the time. Ambition. Necessary. Mm. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna end on that. All right. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to Crystal Washington. Again, this has been Rachel Wilson Thibodeau. Until next time, take care and 